Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and welcome back into the doghouse with your host, David Murray, here on the Believe Podcast Network. Yes, we're dog housing here on Christmas Eve and uh, here at the doghouse. Everything's been set up for weeks. Kathy's got the house fully decorated inside and outside. In fact, I've left the exterior lights burning for about five days and nights, so I don't want to see my power bill in another month. It's okay. It's the spirit of the season and just a great time to celebrate here in Bulldog Country, even if, uh, yes, our Christmas attitudes over the eras have been very much influenced by what happens in the final game of the regular season. Didn't turn out this year as hoped, although as expected. Okay, we'll let that go. Regardless, it's been a frenetic, and I do mean frenetic, several weeks at Mississippi State since the November 13th dismissal of Zach Arnett, the within a week hiring of Jeff Lebby as head coach, his assembling a staff, and now we have signing day, just four days in the rear view here, but still not even fully completed. By the way, a Friday was the last day that signees could ink for high school and junior college, but transfer players who are already in the portal can keep on going. The portal doesn't close until January 2nd, but even after that, you can still sign as long as you've applied to it during the deadline period. Mississippi State is certainly pursuing more portal players. We'll be talking about that as we evaluate recruiting as a whole. But it's kind of a good point to think about just all the chaos and all the action, the energy, the enthusiasm, the excitement, and yes, even some of the downturns that have gone on in these recent weeks, beginning again, as I said, with the coaching transition, the end of the season, the fact that the Bulldogs' bowling streak is ended. Yes, we're home for the holidays for the first time since 2009. I'm not going to say I enjoy having the holidays off, even though it's more relaxing and certainly less expensive these days. Bowling still matters. I let that never be misunderstood out there. I know, especially with the expanded playoff beginning next year, you're going to hear more and more about anything that's not a playoff doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Bowling still matters, and you're finding that out this season because it's giving players more and more time to think about, should I stay, should I go? Uh, should I start negotiating and leaving it up for grabs there, as you'll see players around the country entering the portal and backing out? Bowling has a way of keeping guys focused, and it certainly gives you a better look at next year's team. I know we overrate sometimes the impact of what a bowl means on an upcoming season because it's always dependent on the coaches and the team and the personnel, the roster, all sorts of things. I really, truly believe that Jeff Lebby and his still assembling staff would have benefited from getting a look at these guys just practicing. For goodness sakes, just to watch them on the practice field. No, they wouldn't have been running the bowl camp. They'd have left that to an interim staff, but they'd have gotten a much better idea. And I guarantee, are you going to agree with me out there that you probably get a better idea watching some of these guys practice, particularly those that didn't get a ton of playing time, as opposed to watching the game tape for this past season where everything was just so discombobulated and on both sides of the ball so little getting accomplished offensively defensively you almost want to throw out those old videos from 2023 and a bowl practice without the previous regime being in charge would have really benefited levy and staff getting a jump on spring training well not going to happen no use crying over uh, things that just didn't happen so you move forward 
I think emotionally, some of the Bulldogs, maybe all of them, needed the break. They're getting it, and they'll be back to work pretty soon. Classes start on January 16th, but sooner than that, the athletic department reopens on January 2nd. So not a whole lot of a break for them. Zach Selman and staff have got a quick break here. Remember, he hasn't even been on the job a full year himself. So he's still probably a little bit of a transition process along with his staff, never mind all the football coaches. Now, they benefit from a bowl this year in that they can finish their moves. <laughs> They've been hired so fast that I guarantee the families are back home wherever home is at the moment, trying to get them relocated in Starkville, at least for the spring semester, for the kids to get into school for themselves um, to find where they want to live, either temporarily or permanently. Yeah, no, permanently. That's uh, not to make fun of anything because it's not. It's serious. But think about the coaches that brought in last January and settled in for the long haul. And now, less than a year later, they're looking for other jobs in other locations. Oh, to be a realtor and start for sometimes. It's, uh, they can always count on business when football is making changes at the pace it has. But hopefully there won't be any changes soon. And that's something... We will talk more about it in our end-of-the-year doghouse coming sometime next week and before the calendar flips over. But as we've said before, and we're certainly going to emphasize all the more then, Mississippi State desperately needs stability in the head coach's office, in the administrative offices, even right down to the support staff. Yes, there's always going to be a degree of change, people coming and going as they get better jobs or retire, uh, maybe find different assignments, that sort of thing. But you need some stability overall, just a general tone of this is who we are, this is the work approach we're taking, instead of just trying to cobble things together. And yes, Mike Leach, same offense, three seasons here, but can you really say that was a stable time? Because remember, even as late as the 11th, even 10th, 9th games of the 2022 season, there was a lot of speculation. Is Mike Leach the right coach for the job? Then they win the Egg Bowl, get the bowl bid, and he's the right man for the job again before he passes. So stability has just been lacking ever since the day Dan Mullen decided uh, that he wanted the Tennessee job. Of course, that didn't turn out. He ended up at Florida, obviously. But since that point, we've just been coping here at Mississippi State, trying to find some stability, trying to figure out who we are, where we're going, how to get there. And maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, Jeff Levy and his staff are the people to get this stability established. I'm sure there's some uh, English professors out there that would tear my use of verbiage apart, but that's okay. State just needs to settle in and do things the same way for a while. Um, obviously, I mean the same productive way, and you won't know that until the Bulldogs start playing ball this coming fall. But what are the early impressions? Well, he's got his... Uh, coaching staff, the 10 uh, full-time assistants, including special teams, and, uh, of course, the strength coach staff have been assembled, so we can start judging on that. It didn't take him long to put the offensive staff together. Our running backs coach was the last position filled. Uh, many people were involved in that. And then the defensive side, that took longer to assemble. I'm not going to sit here and pass judgment whether that was a reflection of Levy's own philosophies, more likely just his connections because he's been a lifetime guy in offense. So it would be naturally simpler for him. I'm not going to say easy, but simpler for him to assemble an offensive staff because he knows the offense he wants to run 
and he knows guys who know that offense. You look at the staff, and uh, with one exception, they've all worked with him somewhere along the way, whether it's Central Florida, Baylor, Ole Miss, Oklahoma, and now the band is back together, uh, maybe even a new band in that regard, with the holdover of Chad Bumpus, one of the wise decisions that Levy made keeping Chad around, not just for the recruiting, but to revamp the receiver room, which one year was not enough for Bump to get that done. He's got to get guys in who are more teachable, more able to pick up the kind of sophistication he wants out of the receiver position. He just didn't have those guys because they'd been running a different type of offense. And now Chad gets a chance to do that, and in several cases with players he recruited, including probably one of the best flips of the whole season when he steals a Stanford-bound receiver and pulls into Mississippi State. So the defensive side, that took a little longer to get together. I know there were some questions about coordinator in particular. Mississippi State pursued at least three that we know of before settling on Coleman Hutzler out of Alabama, who, by the way, brings a very strong special teams background as well. Although State has hired a separate special teams coach, I can't help but believe that Hutzler is going to have a hand in how that is handled, particularly because so much of special teams is done by defensive players. So that should be encouraging and probably has to do with the fact that uh, State's not losing so far any specialist to the transfer portal, something that was an obvious area of concern once preseason, um, postseason began without the bowl to look forward to. I mentioned the portal. Let's, let's turn to that. Let's try to knock that out real quick, too. As far as the portal, at our latest count, and again, we're doing this on Christmas Eve afternoon, Mississippi State has 10 portal players coming in, one portal player coming back in Corey Ellington, and that's make all the jokes you want to about the secondary, although none of us were laughing at the time during the season, but you still need some experienced guys back. You just do. If only for the competition in spring and show what kind of bar they set, admittedly a low one this past season, but you've got to set some sort of starting ground for the new secondary, whether it's with existing players or more likely guys who are coming in, whether from the portal or high school signees. Every position in the secondary is wide open at this point. Spring will be interesting. You'd sure love to have everybody able to come in spring from high school. That's not going to be the case. And maybe some of the guys who came in portal the last two years also blossom. I mean, let's look back on Marcus Banks. He had a really solid year at safety, all things considered, once he was a couple of years into the system and found his right position. Maybe that happens with some guys, plus get a couple of people healthy like Radar Jones and others. So the secondary could use all the help it can get in that position. Um, but the portal has produced, let's see, a quarterback in Blake Shapin. You've picked up a running back who, in a lot of ways, was key to holding the recruiting together down the stretch run. That's always good to see from a guy who is uh, invested in that regard. I'm sorry, junior college running back, what am I saying, from the portal. Uh, Sometimes you start losing track because it all begins running together there. Anyway, 10 portal players coming in, the recommitment of Corey Ellington coming back, and 14 players going out, although calling some of them players and not insulting their abilities, just the fact that they were not contributing to the team this past year and in several cases did not look like they really had a future in that regard. So it's further cleaned up the roster, which is increasingly what's going to happen in college football across the board. And that's what's allowed Mississippi State to bring in, so far, 20 high school and junior college signees. That's not counting the 10 transfers, mind. You've got two more 
who are committed who have yet to sign. And one, you, you feel like that Snocker Burnside has probably signed his papers already and is just waiting for the time he wants to make the announcement official. But we feel pretty good on that regard as far as Daniel Hill, a running back out of Meridian, son of former Bulldog Demetrius Hill. He appears intent on waiting through the All-Star season before making his own announcement. Uh, I'm... I hesitate to list him as a commitment at this point, and you've got to think that's why State's already looked in other directions for running back as well. Still, that'd be a good pickup if you can get it, although my personal opinion and valuation, which is worth absolutely nothing, of course, but had to write about it before the portal and the signing they opened up, what were State's needs compared to the commitments, running back to me was pretty far down the list. There were other areas that State was in much more desperate need. Now, in all those sections, I said, if you can get an absolute game changer, sure. doesn't matter about the numbers then. As long as you're down to 85 by July, you're rocking. Don't worry about it if you've got a game changer, no matter who else you've signed. But if it's not a guy who is guaranteed to change the game, instead is more likely just to clutter up the room, and this cannot be overstated. A lot of people were frustrated with Mike Leach's comments frequently about how you only have so many snaps and you've got to narrow down positions pretty quickly, especially quarterback. He's right. You only have so many snaps, thanks to the NCAA rules, which still apply. The, the death of the NCAA is inevitable, but they ain't dead yet, as the saying goes from True Grit. And because they ain't dead yet, they still have an influence. Their rules on practices and time still apply. So there's still only so many snaps to go around, both in spring ball and preseason. So you do not want to overclutter certain rooms where only a handful of guys are going to get worthwhile action, running back being one of the obvious examples. Contrary-wise, you want to load up on receivers because you can run all sorts of them at a time, three- and four-man sets out there, as State will practice with, so grabbing more receivers is a great idea, and that's where getting another guy like Burnside in the fold to flesh out that room for Chad Bumpus is just all the more necessary. And, and State, again, needs to totally revamp the receiver room, not just in ability, but in teachability and what can be done in the type of offense that Levy's going to install. Of course, you all know my opinion on this. You never get enough linemen. Now, those are rooms you dare risk overcrowding with guys who may not be able to play because you just freaking never know, particularly junior college offensive linemen. Look at how many of those just have to redshirt. Uh, Martinez Rankin is always held up as Exhibit A, and rightly so. He wasn't ready his first year, and he was the number one recreated, rated junior college prospect, not just lineman, prospect in the country that year. He couldn't play his first year. He really wasn't that good his second year. By the third year, he was ready to go and got a pro career as a result. So you've still got to take chances on loading up on offensive linemen, especially in Mississippi State's current situation, and all more so defensive linemen because we hesitate sometimes to say things like this because it comes across as a harsh criticism of Leach's recruiting philosophy, but in this case, it holds up. State just did not put enough into getting the type of defensive lineman required to win in this league. This is still a line of scrimmage league. We stressed that during the coaching search for everyone who wanted to go after this particular head coach at a G5 or FCS program because their offense was, quote, high-flying or flashy. The SEC is still one loss to the line of scrimmage. Then your offense takes over after you've established the line of scrimmage. 
So you never get enough linemen because you got to have at least eight ready to play at all times. State was very fortunate this past season as far as injuries. Not so fortunate in execution, but hey, that's just how it played out because they were still trying to adjust to a new offense and never really had a chance to. Again, all sorts of factors involved in that. Defensive linemen, State went a little thin, not just in numbers, but in physiques as well. You got to get more muscle back there, and this recruiting class was a move towards that. So the recruiting class is not finished. There's at least two more who still have decisions to make. Then you have more players from the transfer portal who, as a reminder, you can get right up and uh, all through spring if you want to. But realistically, if they aren't ready to be signed and be on campus in time for the start of the spring semester, Mississippi State, that starts on January 16th, by the way, first classes. So you've got those two weeks after the portal officially closes to realistically pick up anybody else, get them enrolled here, and get them on campus, and get them ready for strength training and on into football practices itself sometime in March. We don't have a schedule yet. I asked the PR director on signing day. He thinks it will probably be in later March when they started out. I've not looked at the calendar. I know spring break is uh, March 11th through 15th. So some coaches like to start it before, get a couple of practices in, then send the guys out while they evaluate the first non-contact practices and pick up the rest of the way. We'll see if that's how this staff wants to approach it, or do they want to just go ahead and bang, start it and roll right through nonstop through Super Bulldog weekend and the maroon-white football game. That is yet to be found out. Got a lot of things to find out from this coaching staff when they get back to work in early January and we start hopefully doing some interviews. Um, Their media accessibility is very much to be announced. Those are things that maybe took a little bit of a hit in recent seasons at Mississippi State, just different priorities by coaches on how much the assistants were either willing to talk or allowed to talk. By the way, uh, Tyson Brown was able to get through three entire seasons here as strength coach without doing a single interview, and believe me, he was requested a lot by myself and others. Let's see if Shawd Williams is more willing to speak with media or his staff, including a local guy from Startwell because that's something everybody wants to know about. No, there's no magic bullet in strength training, but strength training is transitioning again from the old 70s approach of uh, how many laps can you run on the track and plus how many bench presses can you do to more Olympic-type training uh, through the 90s and 2000s, and now speed has come back even more into the fore, uh, speed with strength, not speed or, but speed with strength. I'd really love to get a talk with Shad Williams and get an idea of his general philosophies on strength training, not expect any secrets out there because there's no secret. A strength coach is only as good as the talent his head coach provides him to work with. It's just how his magic formula of making those guys bigger, stronger, faster, more explosive That's what we'd love to talk to him about, but that's something to plan for the future. We definitely would love to sit down and talk with Matt Hulasek about his ideas on developing quarterbacks. Uh, Of course, he's the guy who's got so much to learn on the fly because uh, Chris Parson, all you saw of him was a guy maybe 90% physically and certainly not ready uh, mentally. That's not a knock on his smartness, just on the fact that you got to be in that offense a while, a brand new offense than the one he'd been recruited for, by the way. And so that's not a fair test of him. So he's got to learn about him, 
Of course, you have to learn about your Blake Shapin, your transfer quarterback. Now you have Van Buren coming in from Maryland, your high school guy. So you're starting to balance out that room. But to get an idea of how he wants to approach his quarterback, and we want to sit down and have a talk with him as well. And that applies to all positions, but that won't be until January. For right now, we're just looking at the staff, seeing how things fit together, looking at the jobs they've done previously and how they fit in, what their systems favor. As a first-time coordinator, can you really be sure what uh, basic sets and formations that uh, Hutzler really wants to run with? Well, you can have a decent idea, but uh, we won't truly know. Or we won't even find out. Are they a scheme guy? Are they a personnel guy? Or a mix of both? Most good coaches are a mix of both, adapting to it within a core scheme. But we won't know that until we get a chance to talk to him and other staff members. What we do know is that State pulled off a pretty good recruiting class as far as measured in the first day. They're ranked number 32 in CBS overall, the composites. Now, is that ideal? No. You, you Bare minimum, Mississippi State wants to be in the top 25 every year and generally has been under a wide variety of coaches here. However, the portal and the JUCO element makes grading recruiting a different kind of beast and, of course, there's always the prejudicial that if he signs Mississippi State instead of, uh, oh, let's talk about a certain school across the state line, uh, what they call it, the bump, and that bump can be up or down in the ratings. I don't get too hung up on the ratings because, realistically, what's the difference between 20 and 25? There is a difference between 25 and the 30s. Not great, but enough. And in this league, the margins are so fine, it can count. However, keep in mind, and as Steve Robertson and Rion Young, our recruiting writers, keep reminding, this class is not finished. If you do indeed add the two players that you expect to and pick up another couple in the portal that you're really aiming for, you could finish with a top 25 class. You could even be better depending on who they are in the name because quite a few classes out there are already completed at other schools. They've filled up. They've done all the transfer work they're going to do at this point, and they've lost the players that they wanted to at this point. Mississippi State's roster is still in flux. As I said, the portal closes on January 2nd, so there's still a week for some dogs to sit there, talk to their families now that they're home for Christmas break, and think about their futures. Are they really suited for Mississippi State? Do they want to come back and give it a try for another year? Is it time for them to move along? What's their long-term outlook? And, of course, they're all talking to Charlie Winfield and the Bulldog Initiative, who, by the way, have been doing some fabulous work the past month or so. Another credit to the coaching transition and just the magic that produces sometimes in opening wallets when people see that there's willingness to make a change and not just make a change but do it quickly in this case instead of just riding it out and grinding it out until everybody in the world knows it's not working. Well, I think everybody knew in the world it wasn't working as much as we wanted it to for Coach Arnett and staff. But that transition has got the NIL off to a northern boost. And, of course, state still, you're never going to play with the really big boys in that regard. But if you're smart in how you spend your money, not just working the portal, not just tantalizing the high school kids who, once they get here, can start worrying about such things. And, as I say, and everybody hates to hear it, but retention, retention, retention. Does it always work? No. State really went after Xavier Thomas with a very attractive package from all we're told, and he still opted to go elsewhere. Okay, that's not shocking 
It was expected that he would certainly, after entering the portal a year ago, and now a second time around. But still, State was competitive with that. It just wasn't going to work. I'm not sure anything would have made Xavier Thomas stay at this point. That just happens. As far as disappointments, yeah, I wanted Stephen Lasoya to stay around. I should. State's offensive line needs the experience. But I'm not going to blame a kid for going back, A, to his home area, and B, to get a graduate degree from Vanderbilt, because that's going to help him out long-term in life. Still, you've got to be competitive in retention. And that's another point, too. I, I see posts out there saying, well, why aren't we spending all our money in this class? Well, are you going to spend next year? You think that magically State's going to get all that same money this coming year that they did this first year without a transition, without a huge improvement on the field? Maybe holding a few bucks back for retention because, again, there is another portal period coming up in April. Spring training won't even be done by the time that portal opens up. It might even be halfway done. And guys will see where they stand in spring and maybe get a little more worried than they should about their futures and then State's got to worry about retaining them. It doesn't hurt to have some money in the bank. That applies. I'm not giving you a Dave Ramsey quote or anything like that. I'm just telling you, in the NIL world, don't fire all your bullets. Boy, am I mangling some metaphors. I guess it's the three hours I spent at the shooting range yesterday. And by the way, good to see my old Marlin 60, which I hadn't fired in a couple of years, is feeding all right now. Maybe using higher velocity ammunition is helping with that. My eyesight didn't help. Okay, enough on that. You don't fire everything you've got in one class. You've got to keep your players, and there's going to be some players that all of a sudden show up in spring, I mean show off in spring, who are already here, and NIL offers can come their way from other places in that second window. States may have to put some fights up to retain them as well. NIL is never finished. That's just the nature of the beast. And by the way, no, for the few out there who still wonder, you can't sign them to long-term contracts. It is a one-year deal only. There can be incentives that if you stay two years, three years, that include it there, but you got to stay. Now, is that the same as a long-term contract? No. Lawyers have pretty much made clear, and Charlie, by the way, is a lawyer, and he's got a building staff out there who go through all these details. And also keep in mind, too, that uh, it works both ways. NIL being a one-year deal means you're not saddled with a guy who shows up and just can't play. And it just happens. I don't care what the star rankings say. There are people who just can't play. I mean, uh, take it to another level with NFL. We were watching the other day that uh, piece on the 97 Heisman race won by a defensive back over a quarterback. And there were guys in there who looked like slam dunk NFL Hall of Famers in the front, who just did not pan out at all, couldn't even win in the league, never mind, keep a long career going. It happens all the more in college ball. Guys who show up who have all the stats but don't have what it takes somewhere, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, whether it's just emotional, their heart, all those archaic terms we throw around, that just can't do it. So you don't lock yourselves down and – Yes, scholarships increasingly, for all intents and purposes, are long-term deals, but the transfer portal there helps keep the roster breathing, if you will, with guys deciding they're not locked in, it's time to go find somewhere if they just want to play ball. 
Wow, we're really wandering all over the subject today, getting close to the end point of this. So, state of Mississippi State football, more positive, long, 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 long way to go. Am I confident that Jeff Levy is the guy to do it? I think so. I like what I've seen of his offense at other places. I need to do a little more in-depth watching as I get maybe a little bit of downtime here. But he certainly has enthusiasm. He seems to know how to play the portal, which is going to be such a requirement for any coaching hire in all sports in the future. And he brings enthusiasm. And Mississippi State fans are responding with enthusiasm. So, hopes he enjoys his break. It's not going to be a very long one. And he and staff got to hit it hard when they get back on the job when the new year begins. All right, we've, uh, let's see, that's coaching staff, that's recruiting, overview. We'll have much more to say, I'm sure, about recruiting in many days to come because, as I said, that's not finished. Quickly, we would be totally unfair if we got through this Christmas Eve edition without commenting on Bulldog basketball. That was a heck of a win yesterday for Chris Jan's team. Jimmy Bell, take a bow, big man. You dominated a Big Ten team, and Mississippi State was able to win without great outside shooting. You want to see that outside shooting come back, don't get me wrong, but it is sure nice to see they can win one of those games without the three-pointers having to fall. Now you're looking at the fact that we're counting down. When does Tolu Smith get back? (laughs) Isn't it fun to think about, wow, we're going to have to shake up this lineup that's winning games when an all-SEC and all-America candidate in NFL, I'm sorry, NFL, NBA prospect returns. What an awesome problem to have. So... Will State get back in the rankings? Yeah, they keep playing this way soon. They, they'll they struggle all year to undo the damage done by losses to Southern University and Georgia Tech. That, that's just a fact. But if you do enough damage in the SEC in the other direction, you'll be fine come March and tournament selection time. 10-2, and two, uh, running through some of the numbers right now for his team, Josh Hubbard, who did not have a good game yesterday. Still leading the team in scoring average, 14.8, and doing it all off the bench. And I know, I know, I know. Everybody yelling, why aren't you starting your leading scorer? Well, maybe in time he does. But right now it just seems that you get a better, more cohesive start for this team with Josh Hubbard coming off the bench and other guys establishing a tone. That's not unprecedented. You're going to hear me more often than not this season, probably more than you want to, refer 30 years ago to Tony Watts. Yeah, T-Watt, remember him? When State won the 1991 SEC champion, it was with their best outside shooter coming off the bench. For some reason, Tony just wasn't good starting games. Even he couldn't explain it. He was uptight, get out there, would miss some stuff, but but they went ahead and started Brad Smith, who would get the game going with all that other great team. Then Tony called him off the bench, instant offense, explosive defense at times. It just worked out. Well, I haven't seen a lot of explosive defense from Josh Hubbard, but uh, he's certainly trying his part on that end. Explosive offense, oh yeah, you've got a guy who's shooting 39% from the three-point range and is almost automatic on his free throws and drawing a goodly number of fouls too. To me, that's a credit. When a shooter is able to draw fouls and get to the line, you got to like that, that he's not just a standoffish guy who doesn't want contact. But Cam Matthews having an all-SEC seasons already, uh, 10 points, 7 rebounds, he won't get nearly the credit he deserves, especially when you get Tolu Smith back. But, oh, by the way, 36 assists. He's second on the team in assists. 
and blocking shots, making steals. He's leading the team in steals. Cam Matthews is having one heck of an all-around season, and I think he deserves way more credit than he's getting. Of course, Jimmy Bell, his presence now up to 9.6 points, 9.4 rebounds, had a double-double yesterday against a Big Ten team. That's bound to open some eyes. Shaquille Moore, Deshaun Davis, DJ Jeffries. Um, depending on how they play each game, they don't always bring it every night. That, that's just a fact of life sometimes with these guys. But the point being, you've got three guys to pick two to start and then a third to bring in. Keyshawn Murphy's playing well off the bench again. Sean Jones is getting up to speed. You, you've got some choices. And again, you're going to get Tolu Smith back. Yeah. 10-2, and two. Uh, you still have a home game here, uh, Bethune-Cookman. That's going to be on the 29th, I believe. Yes. No, I'm sorry, 31st, Bulldog basketball. They return to practice on the 27th, very short Christmas break, obviously. They all bailed out yesterday after getting back from New Jersey. And they'll be back on campus 27th, start practicing. Bethune-Cookman is, eh, let's admit it, well, I was about to say warm-up act, but after the Southern U game, is anything that true? No. I suspect they'll take it a lot more seriously now. But they'll be ready to get going, and then it's SEC season, and if you haven't made your plans, do it. Yes, State opens on the road at South Carolina, but you got key back-to-back home games right off the bat. Tennessee and Alabama. Tennessee and Alabama on the 10th and 13th. Make your plans. That's when it's time to show up at Humphrey Coliseum and get SEC season off to a rousing start because that's when Mississippi State's postseason fate will be written by how they do in conference play. And congratulations to Sam Purcells and team for their road victories as well. Still cobbling a lineup together. They seem to be over their route of illness and injuries, other things, and getting back into a rhythm there. They're at home again. They're the ones playing at home on the 29th as they'll be hosting, yes, Mississippi Valley State. Their SEC opens on the 4th at home against Vanderbilt, a winnable game for them to get their SEC season started off as well. So let's keep in mind, Bulldog basketball action is underway as we're still focused on football recruiting and all sorts of other things that go on here in Bulldog country. And we're here in the doghouse to tell you all about it, to talk about it, discuss it. But let's pause a moment and remember, it's the season. I want to wish everyone a merriest of Christmas and whatever holidays of your denomination and orientation. It's a time to celebrate. This is not a peaceful world we're in. I'm not going to get into politics or economics, those things. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. It's a troubled world and sports. We let sometimes take too big a piece of our attention, but sports also is so valuable in giving us something to look forward to, sometimes to vent our joy, sometimes our anger, our frustrations on. But I want us to all think of this. We have the privilege of being Mississippi State fans. Yes, it's a privilege. You can choose something else. You can go do pro sports. You can find another college team. You can invest yourself in your high school team. All well and good. We choose to be fans and followers and supporters of Mississippi State sports and extended Mississippi State University. This university made so much of my life possible. In a season here of giving, I want to think of what Mississippi State gave me and what I hope in a small way as a writer, as a talker, as a speaker, 
that I've given back a little bit this university that, as I said, made so much of my own life, my career possible. I owe it a debt which I can never fully repay, but I can try to do my part to help this great big university, this entity that means so much to the state of Mississippi, to the South, even to the United States of America. And I hope you feel the same way about your university, whether you attended here or you're just a fan, you're equal. You all count equally in helping out what we are and what we want to be at Mississippi State. So I want y'all to celebrate that and then focus on what matters tonight. Celebrate the season. Celebrate the coming of hope into this world and the reminder there is hope in this world. It's the Christmas season. Whether you open your presents tonight or on Monday morning, well, that's up to you. But remember, the greatest gift of all was given to us and help us to look up maybe tonight if the weather allows. I know it's supposed to rain here. Even if uh, you have to just stare in the clouds, look up and give thanks. Because so many millennia ago, a star shone, a light came into the world, and that light will never be dimmed. And if you are not of the particular religious bent that I am, just accept it and enjoy it because it came for you too. Thank you for supporting the Doghouse here on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for supporting Mississippi State. And if you like what you're hearing, give us a like on Apple Podcasts as well. All blessings and all peace to all of you here at this holiday season. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.